Yo, what's the deal, baby? This your boy, Uncle Luke, formerly of the Two Live Crew. You are listening to Pass It Down with Mike Silver and Natalie Silver. Natalie is the most beautiful young lady in this deal right here. Mike doesn't look so good, even though they're dad and daughter. It's the big show, baby. This is a pretty fucking cool moment here at the Pass It Down podcast. Uh, there aren't many people I'd rather speak to, even via Zoom, than George Kittle, who has joined us on this uh, lovely evening as he fights through off-season workouts and prepares to restore his status as one of the baddest MFs on this earth on the football field. How are you, brother? Hey, Mike. I'm doing great. I appreciate the introduction, man. Yeah. Dad, where's my introduction? Yeah. I mean, my daughter Natalie is like a way better version of me, but some of the things that are maybe a little messed up about me may have like seeped into her psyche. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to cut you off there. So George, we're so excited to have you on our show. We have never had you on our show. We did have a guy named Jack Becta on our show and I don't really know who he is. Maybe you guys can tell me a little bit about him, but what I recall from our conversation with him is that he met you dad, uh, or not met you, but you guys had an encounter at the Indianapolis airport and he was walking out of a women's restroom and it, it was pretty traumatic for you. George, have I ever told you that story? I think Jack told me that story, actually. <laughs> I mean, it was it really was unbelievable because at the combine, we had, you know, like many people there, we'd gone so hard. And by the time you leave, you're just a zombie. And I didn't really know Jack that well. And he walked out of this women's restroom at the Indy Airport. And he had he hadn't gone in there for like a trivial thing. It had been a long trip. And I just kept thinking of what the women in there like seeing that guy coming out of that stall. I, I mean, that, that's oh, a lot. That's, that's tough for Jack, but um, you know, he's probably very polite in there, you know, <laughs> but I could definitely see him mildly stumbling around after uh, a, a three or four day stint in Indy. That I think everybody's a zombie out of there. hundred um, percent. When you <laughs> met him in college, was he, was he doing like the agent thing and telling you, how great you were going to be like, and, and did you believe him? Oh, uh, you know what? Jack never really, he just said, you know what, George, I think you have the right skill set to have the opportunity to be a very good tight end in the NFL. He goes, um, I know I believe in you. Like it's not going to be an easy road. You're not going to be like a first, second round draft pick. Might get lucky if someone falls in love with you, but it's going to be a lot of hard work. And he was like, but I believe in you. And that's why I want to take a shot in you. And so I've, I've eyed with that. And that's kind of been my whole career is just, show up, work as hard as you can and, uh, you know, take advantage of that opportunity. And so, you know, it's fun to have Jack along for the whole ride. No doubt. So I don't really follow football. So you guys can oh. pull me in. Uh, it, you know, it's a form of rebellion. I, 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 I don't know if you've heard of feminism. What's going on with the Niners this off season? I don't know. Fill me in. Stop it. What? Niners, I think. Um, we had a, we were part of the NFL draft, and then we were part of the NFL OTAs. And that's what's happened to us so far this offseason. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> they made they made oh. a they made a really really big trade before the draft. That was that was crazy. 
That was a wild thing. I what was even, you, I actually tweeted wild. <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What'd you, what'd you think when you heard? Um, I mean, I, I like it, uh, you know, going after what you want. Um, and I, I mean, at the time I had no clue. Um, you know, I obviously had a guess of what we were trying to do, but, um, no, I mean, so far every decision that, you know, Kyle and John have made together, I think they've been awesome. And they, all they do is try to do what's best for the team. And I really enjoyed, uh, you know, playing for them, but just being a part of the organization that, Hey, you take risks and you've got to, you know, roll the dice to, you know, you're trying to win a Super Bowl year in and year out. I was in Denver for the draft, just doing my thing. And I don't know. Sometimes the stories tend to come to me. It's just, I don't know, a gift or something. Yeah, that's all it is. The football <laughs> gods feel good about doing that because I'm old or something. But all of a sudden, it's like Aaron Rodgers might come to the Broncos. But before that, it was like, wait, the Niners might get Aaron Rodgers. Like, how was that whirlwind as you experienced that? I, I swear the whole offseason was just uh, like a tornado after a hurricane, after a thunderstorm of just like social media exploding with like random things that the Niners were doing. I was like, what is going on? And I'm just sitting, you know, I'm in Nashville training, hanging out. And I would occasionally shoot John or Kyle a text like, hey, uh, want to give me any tidbits so I can like, you know, beat Rappaport or, you know, <laughs> meet one of these reporters out here. I never got a response on those messages, though. It was tough. See, that's not cool. I mean, you're supposed to have like privileged information. I, I think, you no, know, if you, I were, wish. if you were in person, I feel like you had, you'd have a chance. You know, you, I had a much better shot if I can get, you know. It definitely in person, I can like, you know, kind of sweet talk my way through it. But via text is kind of tough. So, Natalie, I love mom and we're about to have our 30 year anniversary, as you know. And yeah. I did do a book with Dennis Rodman. I've never really been attracted to a man. But if I were they to all be, say that if I were to be attracted to a man, the current 49er starting quarterback might be the guy. I'm just, I'm not, you know. I, you know, I'm, that is someone in football that, you I'm know. I'm secure enough in to my say this year. He sweats olive oil, so, like, he, he's a good-looking dude. He sweats olive oil. Right. See, <laughs> George understands. Um, and yeah. I don't think it's that hard to understand, in fairness. Well, but it's not hard. just it's not just that he's beautiful. He's, like, I, I mean, tell the world about Jimmy G, because, I mean, to me, he's, like, one of the cool coolest dudes. Yeah, I mean. One of my favorite things about Jimmy was just right when he came in the locker room and we traded for him, like, cause I'm like, dang, we just traded for Jimmy G. Like I was, I was really hyped about that. It was just, it was something cool. And, um, you know, me being in the NFL, I, I mean, I, I had no clue what like trades and all that stuff really meant to like teams and organizations. And when he came in, like just how polite he was and how like, you know, outgoing he was just to meet all of his teammates, talk to all of his teammates. It was really just fun to, you know, meet him and realize that yeah, he is, you know, it's Jimmy G, but, He's just a, you know, he's a normal dude that just loves to play football and hang out with the bros. And I was like, Hey, I can, I, I can hang out with that for sure. I feel like he's got um, a really good temperament for dealing with Kyle. Cause, cause Kyle, you know, I think Kyle like has his moments where he expresses displeasure vocally, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, from what I can tell, Jimmy handles that pretty well. Oh yeah. I mean, the great thing about like, yes, Kyle, you know, sometimes, yeah, I mean, he's a football coach, loves football. So he's, he's emotional about it sometimes, but, um, you know, you still have playing for him. So it's like, he, cause he never, ever disrespects you. He's, he's always like, his yawn is more of a, like, Hey, like I need you to get this done because I'm giving you the opportunity and like, you need to get it done. And I appreciate that. Cause that's a football coach. He'll explain to you how to get it done. 
and then he'll give you that opportunity. And that's one thing I've loved playing with Kyle, but yeah, he knows how to light a fire in your ass for sure. There's no denying that. And Jimmy seems to be able to handle that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume so. And, um, you know, he's done great just in the four years that he has yeah, crazy. We're going on four years, I think together, right? That's wild. It's been a while, but, uh, yeah, the end of five is the start of five, right? Cause he came in the end of my rookie year. That's crazy. But yeah, I think Jimmy's, he's grown it. I mean, he, he's a leader and he's a football player. So he's he just out there to sing that rock and, you know, get better every single day. So whatever comes with it, you know, being the starting quarterback of one of the most storied franchises in sports, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, attention that comes with that. And I think he does a fantastic job with all of that, with all the heat it brings and, you know, all the ups and downs. So how's he handling, you know, this with Trey Lance being there? They, you know, they thought about going after Brady last year, coming off a Super Bowl. Um, how's he, how's Jimmy handled the whole thing? He's Jimmy G. I haven't noticed a difference at all. That's, that's, what's been so fun about it. Um, it honestly, like it's just been, Hey, we just had OTAs where we've been practicing. We've been hanging out. We've been, I catch balls for, you know, whatever quarterback throws it. I mean, it's fun. They have a good room of four guys actually with, um, Sudfield in there and it's just, uh, and Josh Rosen, it's, it's just kind of fun out there. It's a, it's a fun, uh, unique group. I think they're all very different personalities, but, uh, I mean, like I said, Jimmy's been doing great. He just goes out there and practices and throws the ball. And I think he should throw it to me a little bit more, but it is what it is. <laughs> throw it to Ace. Has the dynamic changed at all in the locker room since uh, drafting Trey? No, I mean, one guy that's a rookie doesn't really change the dynamic of a locker room. You know, it's more about the vets and the culture that we have established there. And, you know, we're, uh, we're a family. We just, whoever we bring in, you know, like I said, we trust Kyle and John with the guys that they bring in to, because I think we have a very strong foundation of guys and we built it the right way. And um, no, we just kind of welcome everyone that we bring in with open arms because, you know, they're going to be a part of the San Francisco 49er family. And then the more guys you bring in, the better the competition is. And then the better you get every single day. Got early impressions about Trey so far. Oh, I mean, he's a, he's a freak athlete, which is just, it's kind of fun to watch that. It is. Um, I mean, like he's got a cannon for an arm too. That, that's fun to watch too. It's just, uh, it's a different style of quarterback play for sure. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Kyle Shannon has a very dense playbook and, you know, it's, he's, he is human. So, you know, all the, you know, he's a third round, he's third overall pick, but he, he's human. But uh, he has an opportunity to be pretty good. I, I like him. On, uh, on Saturday nights when Kyle tells you guys, you know, gives you your final speech and mm-hmm. talks about what's going to happen in the game and stuff, I mean, I've heard it's kind of legendary how good he is uh, at, at getting you guys convinced that you're going to do vicious things to the opponent. Do you have any memories of his Saturday night speeches? Um, you know, yes. Yes and no. Um, well, he does. It's changed so much since my rookie year. Like, <clears throat> um, I think my rookie year, he got up there and towards the end of it, he let like the players talk like the, so like Joe say would have, cause like he talked and like, we went oh nine. He's like, all right, we got to switch things out. <laughs> you know, so this isn't working. Let's try something different. And so then he let certain players start talking. And it was just kind of fun to hear some vet players talk. And then the fall, and then like, then the years after that, it's always him that, you know, goes up there and it's just different uh, week in and week out. Um, and my favorite thing, like he doesn't, he doesn't bullshit you never. He's always like straight, you know, to your face. Like this is what the opportunity is. This is what we have to get done. Um, but he's always just great at, um, he lives in the moment. That's what I love. He lives in the moment and he inspires in the moment too. Like, I don't know how much he thinks through any of his speeches cause he's definitely, uh, 
he's kind of like me. I think he rambles a little bit some from time to time, but like I said, he just loves football so much. So he just loves talking about it. And you can feel that passion. And when you feel that coming off your head coach, it gets you ready to roll and it get it gets you in a, a very good, uh, very good mood. I feel like he, um, you know, you've talked to me about stealing another man's soul on the field, which is a classic. Okay, uh, can I actually, can I just read this quote? Cause it's one of the craziest things. So George, this is something that my dad quoted you on and a story he did on you. It says the following moving a man from point A to point B against his will is the best feeling you'll ever feel. On top of that is when you flat back a guy and you really feel his breath exhale, you kind of feel his soul leaving his body. It's just a really good feeling. It's one of those things. I would 100% pancake a guy and steal his soul over scoring a touchdown. I love that. Yeah, I stand by that. that yeah. I said that. <laughs> I, I feel like Kyle has a little of that in him. Like he's not just trying to out coach someone or win a game like he's he's got some soul stealing uh edge yeah. to him. Yeah, he's not one that's gonna call off the dogs anytime soon. He's definitely gonna go out there and he's gonna score uh the points he can score. And I mean he, he just like I said, he loves football and so he likes watching good tape. He like yeah, he'll pull you know starters out if like if we're winning by a lot, but he's still trying to score touchdowns and he he's not gonna ever you know pull off the reins, which is I, I really respect that about him. And uh like I said, that intensity and that passion for the game it gets the boys fired up, man. I've got to ask about Panda Express because Jack really, really sold how much you love it. I know you had that as your celebratory meal after the $75 million contract deal. <laughs> what, what do you order there? What's the best thing to get? Uh, you get to walk in, you get a double entree. Uh, you try the honey walnut shrimp because uh, when that thing is good, that is one of the best, you know, that's one of the best things on the menu. Um, if you're not feeling it, get your double entree, half fried rice, half chow mein, and then you're going to go and you're going to get orange chicken. You're going to get your honey sesame. Um, but if you're feeling the sweet and fire too, you get that third entree right there. And then you go get a large order of crab rangoons, which is 12 crab rangoons. You get two sweet and sour sauce from that boy. Ooh, that is good. And my humble brag is that honey sesame is back on the menu because of me. That was part of my deal with Panda Express. Cause that's my favorite. That's my favorite entree is honey sesame. Cause it is so light and flaky and it's so good. And I got bell peppers in there, which is what I love, but yeah, I love, it, I love they it. They took it off for a while, but you got it back up. I did. It was a seasonal thing. It was like only in the fall. And so I don't, they'd only be available during football season. And I was like, Hey, like, can we just bring honey sesame back? Cause I think it's the best thing on the menu. And they're like, yeah, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> and now uh, George is now the CEO and marketing director. Now. Um, <laughs> What, so can you, t wait a minute, you, you said if it's good, can you eyeball it when you walk in and tell if it's good that night? It just depends. Like, it, like, honestly, it depends on like the time of day, like when they're like in rush hour and like things are coming out super fresh all the time. That's when like, that's, I think it's the best Panda Express. Like you don't want to go there in the lull of the day. Cause I mean, it, it's a fast food restaurant at the end of the day. It is. And so um, it's great food. And I usually like going when it's busy. Cause when that stuff comes out fresh, those crab rangoons come right out. I love that stuff. So good. So, so you're willing to deal with more human interaction to get, I mean, I, I door dash it a lot, but it is what <laughs> good move. That means I need to, I need to work on that sponsorship. hundred percent. I, I abuse DoorDash. I mean, Jack? yeah. Take note. Uh, Jack back to page it. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to get that rolling. Um, so Jack. yeah, Jack, I know, I know Jack is definitely going to listen to this podcast and he's going to have like 
It's going to be trembling with fear. It's going to be be okay. Um, So when the Niners went to the Super Bowl two seasons ago, Nat, they said to me, do a giant story on George Kittle before the Super Bowl. And um, I called Jack and Jack called George. And George was like amazing, even like in the hell of Super Bowl prep and this crush. He gave me a bunch of time and he gave me phone numbers of like all his boys from college who are a <laughs> little crazy like him. And uh, and I so I got some incredible material. But the prevailing thing from all of you was that, you know, George was kind of rolling along and it wasn't looking like he was going to climb up the depth chart. And you told me there was a bowl game your third year, right, where you kind of yeah. realized if this might not happen for you. Yeah. Oh, 100%. No, uh, yeah, I spent my first, really, like, my, so I redshirted my freshman year. Um, so then my redshirt freshman and my redshirt sophomore year, like, I got a couple opportunities here and there. Um, but besides, like, I made a couple of really cool plays those first two years, but um, I blew most of my opportunities because I had no idea what was going on in the field. I was so bad with the playbook. Like, it just didn't click for me coming out. Like, my high school playbook is pretty easy. Like, outside zone right, outside zone left play action, right, play action, left. And I was like, oh, I can do that. That's easy. That's football. <laughs> I get to college and we have all these, you know, then I moved to tight end. And I have absolutely zero, con, you know, conception of what playing tight end is. Like, I was like, oh yeah, Dallas Clark, Iowa. Like he's a baller. It's going to be really fun. And <laughs> I got head beat in for quite a while there. Just, and it was mostly my fault. I will say that. Like I, like I wasn't a big study guy. I was excited. And I was from, I lived in Iowa City for six years. I got to come back to college there. All my friends were there. So yeah, that was, it was a blast. I thoroughly enjoyed myself, but yeah, it was um, a retro sophomore. We were playing te- tax Slayer Bowl against Tennessee, and I was like strictly on kickoff return front line. That is not a place you want to be <laughs> for a long time in your career. And so I was like, all right. Um, that offseason, I, I had two ankle surgeries that offseason, one on each ankle. And then I just came back in. I did one before spring ball, did spring ball, then one after spring ball. But a really good spring ball. And then – what really happened was we had a guy ahead of us, Jake Doozy, fantastic football player. He had like a terrible injury in the very last spring ball, this very last practice before the spring game. And my cousin, Henry Craiger Coble, who played for three years in the league, and he retired, but he was a fifth-year senior um, with Doozy, and um, he was out with shoulder surgery. So I was the next guy in. And then the guy that – the next guy above me too was also hurt. So like I had three guys hurt around me. And they're like, hey, George, you're playing the spring game. And – um, you're going to shit ton of reps. And I was like, sick. And I had a really good spring game, made some good plays, carried that momentum on through the summer workouts. And then I came into camp and I played at a really high level and, uh, you know, earned the backup job to my cousin. And uh, I was just kind of in the right place at the right time for the next two years. But I really like looked myself in the mirror and I was like, you know, the reason you're not playing football is because you're, you don't give a shit. You know, really, you're not, you're not invested in your time like you are with, you know, your social life. And I was like, all right, let's just change that a little bit. And later, like a couple tweaks here and there and everything just started to click in my head. And I was like, ah, it also helped. Like I gained like 20 pounds going into my junior year, which was also very helpful. And I was like, well, I was no longer a 215 pound tight end. So that was it. Yeah. It, it made it a little easier when I gained weight. <laughs> what do you think? Like, what do you think your backup plan was if it, you didn't have that click and if football didn't work out? Um, for me, uh, my dad was a lawyer, so law, uh, law school was kind of fun for me. Hey, I was, plan. <laughs> bad, right? 
I had a, I did have a, I was an academic all big 10 all four years. So, you know, I, 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 I took, I liked school, like the classes that I, the you know, classes I enjoyed, I, I was really good at the classes I did not enjoy. Those were mild struggle for me, but I figured them out, but uh, just a lot of problem solving stuff. It was that, or I always, I love being a teacher. Like I love working with kids and you know, like elementary school kids. Like that's one of my favorite, like whenever I can work with a charity that has like kids involved, it's my favorite. Cause I view myself as like a 13 year old kid just playing football every single day. And so like, I connect really well with 13 year olds. Cause I'm like, what do you guys want to do? Like, you want to kick us? Like, what do you want to do? I'm up. Let's ride. <laughs> how, how good was your social life? Very excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, man, I lived in Iowa city for six years. So all my friends were there. And then I, when I went to Oklahoma for three years and I came right back, all my friends, like most of my friends went to Iowa. Uh, I was really good friends with like a lot of my teammates right away. And this is fun at, my freshman year at Iowa, there are only two days a week that I had to wake up before like 8 a.m. And that was for a lift at Sticks. And so basically every night before most nights, I could, you know, be at a like some party because it's Iowa and that's a party school. So basically all the nights that I didn't have to wake up early, I'd be hanging out and doing stuff and, you know, roaming the city. And, and Iowa City is not that big, but I would be roaming with some of my teammates, all the other freshmen and we had, we had a lot of fun my freshman year. It was a <laughs> So you were, um, to go. Say what? You could go. You could, you could, you know, I'm imag- I, I'm imagining you going through Iowa city. Like I don't see well, hey, my, my dad was an offensive lineman there and he had told me some stories. And so like, I couldn't let him down and I had to continue on the path, uh, going up and having a good time. <laughs> That makes sense. That's what I had to do too at Cal. FYI, everyone. Exactly. Right. Just, exactly. Um, although the, it's hard because everyone at Cal is a fucking loser. So. Yeah. Stop it. No. No. The problem is that fuck. You know, people like me can't get into Cal. It's like way. You know, all these schools. Iowa. Like they're. It's like way smarter people. So like we partied hard, but we weren't competing against. You know, like total brilliant people all the time. So it was, I don't know. it was, it was nice. Um, did you have one moment when you like kind of looked yourself in the mirror? Was there one party moment where you think back and you're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, Oh, so like my thing, like I never did, like, I was always, I never did stupid stuff. Like I was always like, all right, like this is like, you, you can go this direction or you can go this direction. Like, let's, let's not do this. And like, let's just, let's figure it out. And like, you're calling it good. So like I had, you know, I had plenty of those moments. Like I never really crossed the line. I was always very good with that. Cause my dad always told me, be responsible. Don't be a dumbass. And so I was like, okay, you're kind of being a dumbass. Let's just, you know, rein in a little bit. Um, but really like one of my biggest moments was it was, um, it was winter workouts after that bowl game that I didn't play. And I was playing only kickoff return. And we had a uh, Pat anger back in the uh, locker room. He was in back in the weight room and he was doing like an internship. And coach Ferentz always talked about how Pat didn't play at all. Like his first two or three, like two and a half, three years. And it was because uh, he was a huge partier and he wasn't really focused on football. And so I was like, all right. Um, so he was there and I went up to him and I just asked him, I was like, Hey, like, what was the big, like, like light bulb for you? And he was like, well, I looked myself in the mirror and I said, you party too much. You drink too much. You fight too many people. Um, and you don't like, you're not focused on football. And I was like, well, like, I don't really fight people, but those other three things, like I, that like, there's some similarities there. And so like, it just, like I said, I just tweaked a couple of things. Like 
hey, maybe instead of doing this with your social life, like let's just look at the playbook for an hour and a half here and then an hour and a half here. And next thing you knew, like I said, just started to click for me. And it was also going into my, like, I think it was my fourth year in the same offense. So I was like, oh, okay. Like this means this, this means that A, B, C, D. And then all of a sudden it just started rolling for me. It also helped that I had CJ Beathard as my quarterback and uh, he started slinging me the rock of shit time. So that was nice. Nice. Were, uh, were there like, you you didn't fight, which is awesome. Were there dumbasses who tried to fight you during that stretch or since? Uh, I got really lucky. So like right when I got to college, I got I went to college at like six two, and I grew an inch and a half in like my freshman year somehow. So like that was very beneficial to me. But <laughs> most of the guys never got like like I said, I'm a very easygoing guy. Like I don't really have a lot a lot of anger. So like people would like you know try to be smart with me. I'd be like, ah, dude, that's cool. I think that's your opinion, man. <laughs> and then, uh, but I definitely remember like we had some nights where like some of our players would get picked on, but we had, our class was very tight knit, which was really fun. And we had some, we had some mean dudes in that draft class in our uh, rookie or sorry, my freshman uh, class. And uh, they were very like defensive of each other. And so like, I never really had to do too much other than just kind of stand there and smile. And I was the kind of guy that was like, Hey, everybody, like, let's be friends, like relax. <laughs> that was my but I definitely witnessed a couple of those and I was like, eh, that guy probably deserves it. So have you ever had know. beef with anyone in the NFL though? In beef in the NFL? Yeah. Hmm. No, I don't think so. Dad, I like can it. you relate? No. I got, I got no issues really. You know, I, I've had like my share of um, you know, probably, you know, conversations that weren't very appropriate, you know, speaking at each other. They weren't very respectful, but it's football and you know, I I have thick skin and people say things and it just kind of bounces off. And I'm like, you say something to me, I'll just say something back. Dad. I mean, he, George played in the 2019 NFC game. He played one of the most dominant games I've ever seen a tight end play. And I think you caught one ball maybe. And, uh, you know, Jimmy only. You say NFC or the, the division round? The, against, against the Packers. Oh, like, yeah. That- yeah, like, like I mean, Jimmy barely threw any because you didn't have to. And no. it just, like, he just mauled people all day, and they ran at will, and it was it was just a trip. Like, it's one of those things, like, if you didn't know football very well, and I'm not saying I know it very well, but, like, if you really didn't know it at all, you'd be like, oh, that guy, I, I barely see it. He caught one pass. But then if you know it, like, a little, like me, you're like, oh, my God, that I think he – just dominated that or helped dominate that game. But so that in moments like that, where you're just overpowering someone or someone's for three hours, does it ever have people ever crossed the line with you? Um, no, because I mean, like the thing about when you're running the ball down someone's throat, you can't really say much. <laughs> you can't, I mean, like, Hey, like you're going that way and we're not even throwing the ball. Like, <clears throat> There's not like you, like, what are you going to say to me right now? Like you don't really have any, you don't have any pull, like you're losing and you're getting pushed backwards. That's why like, I love running the football because that's the biggest shit talking thing in football. If you're physically dominating someone and going like seven yards of carry, like that is the biggest like F you that you can possibly give in football, in my opinion. Yeah. Like where you could basically, you could basically announce the play before the play and still gain seven yards. Yes. That's that is electric. I love I love that. That's why like I mean there's a clip of me saying run it again. And we were I think there's like a run play in the um in the divisional round versus the Vikings. And I think we had like 42 
rushes or something like that. And that was one of that was one of my favorite games. Just, I mean, you get a six technique with a backer inside the box and that's the cleanest edge for outside zone. And I, it doesn't make sense to me, but you know, they gave me, you know, it's the, it's the wish them out the love of wood look. Mm, that's a, that's a great, that's a great look. That was a fun one. Mm. I, okay. I think I'm getting a good sense of your playing style. Do you have any stories from when you were a kid playing where you just pummeled someone and it was really bad? Yeah, actually. <laughs> I got, I, I had a growth spurt early on when I was a kid and I was like really, really fast, but I was also like super small. So like I was always in the lower weight class stuff and all that, but yeah, no, I used to play DN and running back and I used to like, I would kill people. It was really fun. I, I just wish there was film, man. Can you imagine? I have, like I have, I have some film still. I, I do have a couple of tapes for my mom recording in the stands. Yeah. It is, it is funny. I, uh, the biggest helmet ever. It's crazy. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to. I want to watch the film with you drinking beers, but not beer for beer because we've substantiated. That's a bad idea, but no, I'll be fine. No, the best part was, was my dad was my head coach for like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade football. And so he was the head coach for all, but like my eighth grade year, he was a D coordinator and like seventh and eighth grade, we gave up 12 total points in two years and went 11 and 0. Like we just shredded people. It was awesome. We just like we we couldn't be stopped. It was so much fun. Oh, just couldn't be stopped. Um, tight ends. I mean, I've always kind of had an affinity for tight ends. You know, psychos like Brett Selleck. I know you know Garrett very well, uh, and many many others. Chris Cooley. Just you know, all the way back. But right now, I feel like is the era of tight ends, and um, you. And Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson are having a, is it called Tight End University? Tight End U, baby. T-E-U. Talk yep. to us about what's coming up with Tight End U. It's a great thing. So, like, this is, I'm really excited about this. This has, like, been, like, a kind of a dream of mine for the last couple of years, especially since I started seeing, like, big, like, uh, my dad coached Lane Johnson at Oklahoma. Hmm. And so. Like he, they have their O-line summit, right? Where they bring in, it's like an open invite, all the O-linemen, they meet up at, at a college and they do O-line stuff for like two or three days. And then the D-line does a summit at like UNLV and something in Las Vegas. Yeah. And I'll you know what, like, I don't get why we don't do it as a tight end group because it's literally, it's one or two positions on a football field. Like sometimes you might get the occasional two tight end sets, but most of the time it's one guy. And I was like, I feel like most of us should be friends. And I kind of talked about it. Um, and then like Olson kind of hit me up about it. He was like, Hey, like, like you have any thoughts on this? And I was like, Hey, like, I think this is a, this is something we should definitely move forward with. Um, and I needed to get, uh, you know, Tra- Travis Kelsey involved with it just because of where he is in the sport. And I mean, he's has like four all pros in the last five years. Like, I mean, he's the guy, I mean, like he's doing a fantastic job playing football. And so he was in right away, which is awesome. Um, and then it was just kind of, uh, we just kind of rolled with it. And now we're doing it it's in, uh, in Nashville for three days in the late June, right after OTAs are over. And I think I have like 45 to 50 NFL tight ends coming in. Wow. And, and I, like, so the three hosts that you just mentioned, you, Kelsey and Olsen yeah. are, are nuts. Just, you know, not your average, like human brain, just, you know, a little off, a little in a good way. <laughs> And uh, that's why you're all great. And uh, I feel like of those 45, you're going to have a few, 
you know, outliers there. So I, I can't even imagine you guys, if you hit that town at the end or whatever you do. You know, might- we have some, we have some fun events planned. It's been really awesome. So like the one thing I try to do differently than the O-line and the D-line summit was I try to make, I wanted to like get sponsorships so I could pay for everybody to enjoy themselves. So no one had to worry about anything. And that way, like when stuff's paid for guys are more open to doing it because they don't have to shell any money for it. They just get a flight in hotels, taken care of transportation, food, everything's taken care of. And so the one negative about that is though, I have like a limited amount of invites. Like my dream is hopefully like next year we can make it available to everybody and like, just have like a whole hotel rented out. So I can have like a hundred tight ends. And so that's my goal is to have every tight end in the NFL available to come. And then like maybe in future years, you get like some college guys to come, but like, you know, it's college. You can't pay for them to show up, but like make it an open invite to some college football players. And so then it can be like a real like tight end university type of thing. And I, cause like I said, there's 32 tight ends that start in the NFL, 32 in the entire world. And I think that's a pretty decent percentage. So like you're one of, you're one of point, like you're 0.01, like yeah. you're, you're the best. And so I feel like that we shall be friends. We shall share knowledge because I don't think tight ends get enough love. Like I still don't think like Travis Kelsey for like, when I was in college, I think Travis was in like year three or four. And that's when he really started to click. And like, so that's what I was watching in college. And so like, I'm a huge fan of Travis Kelsey. And I still don't think the guy gets enough to, you know, respect that he just doesn't get it. And I, like I said, I don't think any tight end gets it. Like Darren Waller had an unreal year this year. And I still think the only people that talk about him are fantasy football coaches because he scores a lot of points. And it's just like, no, like watch his game because he's an elite football player and it pisses me off that guys don't. And so I think by being able to bring in tight ends and highlight fantastic football players, especially like for guys on teams that haven't won a lot of games, they don't get you know noticed a lot. Like I know Herndon from the Jets, he's a dog. I'm excited. You know, I got to meet up with Darren Fells, who was in Houston for a while. And now he's in Detroit with Hawkinson. I think he's a hell of a football player. So like, I'm just excited to be able to sit down in a room, meet guys, and then see how they think about the game. So like, we're gonna have a bunch of film sessions, some routes, some blocking stuff, basically just a huge, you know, thing for all tight ends just to learn about what it's like to be an NFL tight end. And I'm really excited about it. Cause like I talked about sponsors earlier and we have great sponsors. We like Bridgestone is big cause they're from Nashville. They're helping us out a bunch. You have Charmin because everybody loves tight ends. Like that's hilarious. And like, we're gonna have such a good time with that. Bud Light's been huge for us. Um, it's just like, it's been, it's been awesome. Like, and we got to do a little gift bag for all the guys. It's going to be a great thing. And, like I said, and hopefully in the next years to come, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And uh, it's going to be an absolutely incredible event. And I'm just excited to put it on and get tight ends together, honestly. I'm in uh, Detroit right now. So I actually saw Hawkinson and Fells out there today. And yeah, Hawkins- Hawkinson's a impressive physical, you know, specimen. Like, whoa. And the hair is great. Uh, Isn't he great? I yeah. love it. So, you know, they have a rookie coach, Dan Campbell. So Natalie... Like, I've made fun of this guy for months because at his introductory press conference, he just he started talking about we're going to bite him in the kneecaps and we're going to kick him in the teeth. And everyone's like, this guy's the biggest meathead ever. Now, now that I've met him and talked to him, I think he's like, you know, having a lot of fun. And yeah, it sounds like he knows how to command yeah, this. Like, I don't think he's actually literally saying that and he knows what he's doing he's trying to fire up the city but he's definitely been teased by a lot of people including me do you know dan campbell george and what are your thoughts on on how he's going to do so the only time i've ever met dan campbell was at the nfl combine and um 
it was kind of fun because like the tight ends coaches did it differently. And I don't know if I'm supposed to like, I think I can say all this stuff. It's combined. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. But like the tight end coaches would like, it was like 16 of them or 20 of them would just all hang out at back tables. And like one guy would just come back and all 20 coaches would just interview at once. Cause there's only so many questions you can ask a kid at a combine. Like, do you really want to like, do you want to spend 30 minutes per kid by yourself and tell them to draw out like 10 plays? Or, like, do you just want to kind of see if he's a psychopath in a good or a bad way? Like right. that's kind of what the combine is. And so I remember it was fun too, because my tight end coach, John Embry was in there too. And I remember meeting him, but I handed everybody a business card because it was my dad's idea. And he's like, Hey, like, here's your name. And here's two contact information. Like you want to call my head coach, here's his number. You want to call uh, my tight ends coach. Here's his number. And I think, you know, people got a kick out of that. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, But Dan Campbell was sitting right in the middle and, you know, I think he had his, like his saints gear on and, um, he like would just sit there and he would just like stare at you. Like, just like, he was like a disappointed father is kind of what it felt like. I don't know if he really asked me, he did like something like he asked me a question right at the very beginning. And then right before I got up, he was like, what was the first question I asked you? And I was like, I don't know, dude, I just answered like, <laughs> questions. Like I'm good. See ya. Like, I have no idea. Um, that was like my only interaction with him. But I will say this because I saw the press conference too. And like, obviously like, yeah, I'm going to bite him the kneecaps. Like, that's awesome. Like, I, I love that. Like, you're going to play some violent football and some dirty football and you know, I'm here for it. But like what was hidden though, cause like, I think Bleacher Report or someone like blocked it up. There was like 10 or 30 second segments of his whole interview. And like the eighth slide, there was a part that he talked about having good vibes in the locker room. And he was like, look, I love football and I'm like, you know, I'm going to get after it. But I want the like I want to have a good culture and I want to take care of the guys. I want to respect the guys and I want them to have fun going to work. And I was like, see, that's like work as hard as you want. But if you're having fun doing it too, that's what makes it okay to do that stuff. So like as long as you don't have the mindset that we're just gonna, you know, suffer every single day, like let's have some fun a little bit. Like that's kind of you know, I love that stuff. So I really I liked it a lot when I found that clip and I wish that one circulated a little bit more because I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I actually think that that whole it's, you know, people like working for this guy. They like, he played in the league 11 years. I think they're going to like being around him a lot. So I think mm-hmm. that's actually what's going on. You know, we, we both uh, get a kick out of big cat and PFT. He went on with those guys. And of course they started asking him like, Hey man, would you want to have a pet lion? And he's like, definitely. And just went with it. And all of a sudden like animal rights groups were freaking out. And I'm like, wait, I actually texted big cat. I was like, People didn't take that literally, did they? You know, like I, it's amazing. But I thought I got to that too. It is a, it is a wild place out there on Instagram and Twitter. Hoy. Right, I know. It, Wait, it can was, you elaborate? Like, do people come at you on Instagram and Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you have that play, and it's like you just like insulted someone's grandma. It's like yeah. it's insane. Like they just they just come at you from all different directions. Uh, it was actually one of my favorite things during the draft was when Jed York was live tweeting and talking about like, oh, hey, does anybody know where John and Kyle are? Isn't the pick in like five minutes? And then he was like, hey, I'm new to this social media thing. Any tips? And I was like, hey, man, just don't search your own name because it's a dark hole. Like, <laughs> yeah. Don't do that stuff. But, I mean, I mean yeah. I, it's nice when you have um, it's nice when you have fans who can tell you about the game, you know, because they watch it and read stuff. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is what it is. Fans planning. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Back when I was like just a kid and I was a fan, I was pretty toxic once in a while. So like I let it. <laughs> like I definitely got pissed at who was it? 
I used to get so mad. I would draft like the same running back every year. And he would always like, it was, remember the year that the Broncos had like two starting running backs. Yeah. I'd had both of them on my team. That was really tough for me because I was so mad. I had to start two running backs on the same team. So who were you mad at? Like what player did you, would you just vent on? Oh, I can't remember. But I mean, it was those two running backs. Just, they busted my balls the whole season because one time, like I would start one of them and then the other guy would have three touchdowns. He'd have three yards and three touchdowns. And the other guy would have 86 yards rushing. I'm just like, are you kidding me? But then I just started putting them together. And then like one would have 21 points, one would have one point. And I was just like, okay. like, And then the next week it would just flip-flop. So like, I couldn't cut them. I couldn't do anything. I had just to start them both the entire year. Now it's tough for me. Was, uh, was football less fun last year with very few or no fans in the stands? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's different. I mean, like, fo- like I love football. And I love, um, you good, Pops? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my dad's alarm is going off. Oh, my God. Bring I him, love bring it. Bring him in. Tell, tell me, tell I will, me. I will. Whenever he gets off that, I'll let him know. I'll get high. But, um, yeah, this, like, no fans is tough. It is. Like, you know, it's having the energy of a full stadium. Um, it's not that fun. Like, when we ran out in San Fran for the first time after last season, like, I feel like if we would have had a packed, I think we would have had a packed out stadium that was pretty electric. And instead we had cardboard fans. And I'm pretty sure we were the first game of the year and we didn't even have crowd noise going. So like you could literally just have a conversation. I could talk like this loud and you could be Cliff Kingsbury on the sideline. Hear every word that I said. It, I, was at, I was at that game. It, like crazy. I could have said something for the press box. I was at that game. It was so yeah. crazy. I was, it, it was mm-hmm. out of body experience. Yeah. You, didn't, it was weird. Didn't you score at one point and like, or do, didn't you do something in the back of the end zone? And there was like, I thought, oh, I, you were, you were like talking to the photographers or something, <laughs> something going on. I was like, I got to talk to somebody. Yeah. Like, right. Come on. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. Was, no, yeah. Okay. I just, I mean, you're, you're, play with it. you're someone who plays with such joy. Like, you know, it's a, it's a, grown-ups game but you do play it with the joy of like a 13 year old kid it's awesome thank but you I feel, I feel like with no fans that's just not quite as awesome you, you have to channel your energy from like you can't rely on outside energy like you have to solely rely on what you and your team can build and get done together which is i mean like i mean there's not it's like you're just doing a scrimmage out there and like when they got the crowd noise in and then um when we got to play a couple of games instead of in front of some fans like that was kind of fun um, but I mean, there's nothing like either playing at home in a, full, a sold out stadium or even going on the road in a sold out stadium and you're just getting yelled at the whole time. Like that's also exhilarating. I miss that too. Like that's, that's a whole lot of fun. And so I'm just looking forward to the time where I can look up in the stands and people could be flipping me off. Like I can't wait. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I feel like you could like rig the game by pumping in crowd noise or, or not pumping in crowd noise. Yeah, people have gotten in trouble for that. Actually, there's mm-hmm. a there was a scandal. Oh, there's I, people I, out there that still they there's just probably teams that pump in crowd noise. Right. Um, it just go, if you go to a bunch of games like in domes, you'll you'll be like, wait a second. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. They should have had cardboard fans flipping people off. That would have been dope. Hey, by the way, Cal should do that because no one goes to the games anymore. That would actually be a good idea. I sense a lot lot of anger towards Cal. No, I I love it. It's just like, you know. Let me just just explain. I'm old and we've had no Rose Bowl in my lifetime. 
So I'm not saying that I'm a little frustrated, but I mean, fuck, just give me one. We don't even have to win the Rose Bowl. I just want yeah, to go. We're desperate. We, we had Aaron Rodgers and we got fucked out of a Rose Bowl. I, I just thought we had Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch on the same college team and got screwed out of a Rose Bowl. That's I pretty, just pretty impressive. Yeah, right? Um, I don't even. Okay, so listen, I early in the offseason, I was all I was like, I think the 49ers are the team to beat. Um, And I kept going on TV and people would be like, I think the Packers, you know, I think the Rams and, and like, I'm just like, I think last year was an aberration. Your injuries were just so like insane. So am I crazy? I I just, I believe that if everything goes well for you guys, or if everything, all things being equal, because everyone, every team has injuries. I think you guys are the best team, in my opinion, headed into the season. I mean, I just look at what our defense did in 2019 and then what they still did last year, even with some of our best players not playing. Right. And like the key, I mean, like obviously you got to put up points, but like as the Super Bowl showed, when you have a dominating D line, it's kind of hard to put up points. And so I think our D line is pretty dominating from, you know, Nick Bosa, who like, you know, I hope people don't forget about him. He's pretty good at football. I just, he's yeah. back. You saw him the last couple of days. He looks massive. Like he's ready to roll. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you got D Ford on the other side. You got Eric Armstead on their side. We just signed Samson from the Rams, who I think is a hell of a football player. Cause I had to block him. And the dude's just a brick shit house. Excuse my language. <laughs> He's very strong. And so, like, we have these wide nine defensive ends. Like, good luck running the football on it unless you can just do gap scheme 24-7. Like, you know, good luck with that. We have Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, and Aziz in yeah. the middle with the linebackers. And we have a veteran secondary now. Like, guys that have played in big games and, you know, guys that have made big plays. Um, so, like, our defense is elite. And then you just kind of look at our offense and, oh, no, we brought back Trent Williams. That's crazy. Like, <laughs> so, like, I'm pretty hyped. I'm pretty hyped about the season, you know. Um, very excited. I think we got talent all over the board. I really do. And I think we're deep in a lot of positions and, you know, with, you know, cause uh, you know, injuries are going to happen regardless of, you know, it's football, but I think we're very deep at positions where, um, we will have plenty of guys who can really step up if anything did happen. And I also think we, you know, we've had really great OTAs practices and just seeing the guys, you know, run around and you can see that everyone's pretty excited for the season. So we, we got good energy rolling around in our building right now. You got any predictions? predictions well my goal is to win every single football game but like your goal has to be to win every single football game like I don't go into a Sunday thinking I'm gonna lose so it's my goal is to go into every single game and do what I can to win it and um I don't really have any predictions I've never done that Mike come on man (laughs) but if you fulfill your goal you will be 20 and 0 I guess because now you got to play 17 regular season thanks for reminding me see ya (laughs) hey but dude you get one bye week Mike, <laughs> hold on my heartstrings, man. Crazy. You know what, George, when I was a kid, it was six preseason games, 14 regular season. It was the most insane thing. I, I even as a kid, I was like, huh? Like the preseason's like half as long as the regular season. Like you dude. play games, then you start at zero again. You play another 14. What? And then one team would play seven because here, have you ever heard of the college all-star game? Yeah. Yeah, dude, the defending Super Bowl champ would open the preseason against like the college returning what? college all-stars. Yeah, and the college all-stars were like 
this is our chance, man. We're going to try to win. Yeah. And the defending Super Bowl champs were like, dude, it's the first preseason game, but we can't lose to college kids, obviously. That was a real game. Yeah, I mean, that that was stupid. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff that used to happen. The goalposts in the middle of the end zone, dudes running into them. Just, I, what are we doing? I don't, what, are, what are we doing? It's crazy. Wait, I want to ask one thing before we let him go. So, George, you talked about, you know, the value of having fun in the locker room. And I am curious about what happened when Kyle made that comment about the world ending and, <laughs> like, how you guys reacted. Well, I was, I was by myself in national training, but um, I was a huge fan of it. Um, Cause like I said, Kyle's a very in the moment person. And so like, if I asked him, Hey, what are we doing for practice tomorrow? He'd look at me and be like, I don't know. What are we doing for practice today? Like, I still got to figure that out. Like, what do you mean? What are we doing tomorrow? And so, you know, cause that's one of those questions that it's like a, it's a softball of like, I can answer this, like, and all they're going to get is like a headline out of this or I can just take it and be fun with it. And that's kind of what he did. And Kyle's sense of humor might be a little darker than others, but I love that out of him because that's the, that's the soul sucking, you know, that's the soul stealing that, uh, that is in him. And that's why, uh, you know, I'm, I like Kyle and I'm friends with Kyle. And I also think he's a good football coach, which is pretty fun for me. He's okay. So Kyle's, so Kyle, for the listeners who don't know this, Kyle was asked before the draft, Hey, can you guarantee that Jimmy Garoppolo will be on your roster on Sunday after the draft? And he goes, I can't guarantee that the you know world's not going to end, or I can't guarantee anyone's going to be on a roster. The world could end on Sunday. So, um, what we heard is that on that day, some of you guys started texting Kyle. I did. I told him I was still here. <laughs> I'm still here, Kyle. I woke up. Wait, and did you mobilize other players to do that? I think I told um, I told uh, I had two guys that trained with me this offseason that played for us uh, tight ends, and I told them I don't know if they text them because they're <laughs> young and they're like I'm not going to text my head coach that I'm alive, and I was like, oh come on, it'll be fun. <laughs> I know did, a couple guys. Did he text back? He gave me a thumbs up. I was like, <laughs> I, Kyle's a thumbs up type of guy. <laughs> does he racialize it or does he use the yellow? Oh no, like just like the thumbs up on the message, like thanks. One oh. Of those. Yeah, he doesn't even do the thumb. He just yeah. no, no. wait. Didn't didn't Kyle name his dog after you, or is that just folklore? Where'd you hear that? I uh, I can't reveal my sources. No, I thought I heard that. I thought he heard that he has a dog named Kittle or George or something. It's definitely named George. It's definitely named George. <laughs> is it? <laughs> oh, dude, that's funny. That's so funny. Question. He named his son after Lil Wayne, and he yeah. named his dog after George Kittle. It's supposedly, I mean, it's just George. It's not George Kittle. But then he does say, like, hey, George, shit on the floor. I'm like, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going to leave you with one Kyle dog story because it, it fits in. Nally, you know this one, I think. So, Do I? Okay. Uh, so my wife and I were going out um, early, like, I think it was Kyle's first year. We were going out of our house um, to meet her brother and his wife to talk about some heavy shit. And I was like, let's meet. So like, let's have fun and meet at a restaurant and at least get a good meal out of it. So we get to the restaurant, we sit down, we like order a drink and I get a call from one of our neighbors and he's like, um, so your dog is out 
I guess the garage door didn't really close or something. We have a huge water dog and he's like, your dog is out. And the kids were playing hide and seek in front of your house. And my son, who is like, Dad, you can't see that. We're going to have to cut this. They're, someone's going to come after us. No, nah. I think I think he nipped him. So anyway, he's like <laughs> he he's tackled like, he tackled him. He pancaked like, him. He's like, or he, you know, whatever. He freaked my son out by coming at him, whatever it was. And I'm like, and he's still out. So I'm like, okay. So I leave, go right back home and go to deal with it. And the guy's really cool. It's like really cool guy, one of our neighbors. And he just goes, look, come over later. We'll, we'll have some wine and we'll talk about it. And they could not have been cooler. And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. You know, I don't know what happened. So I, my wife and I are like, we got to do something nice for this kid um, and he's a big Niner fan, like big. And at the time, like there weren't a lot of stars on the team. It was like early Kyle tenure. So I'm like, well, Kyle's probably the biggest guy there. I so, don't know the story. So I text Kyle and I'm like, hey, explain the situation. And I'm like, can like, if I hit up like Bob Lang, the PR guy, can can you sign a ball? And he's like, yeah, whatever. So sign ball arrives and um the kid's so happy and he's all excited and i get a text from kyle that day and he just goes control your bitches <laughs> it is a male it is a male dog but he did that's fucking dude i yeah. did not know that story i i don't know i've known kyle since he was 15 he's always been funny but he's really he's, hey do you say bob lang love that yeah. guy Yes, Bob Lang, now of the Philadelphia Eagles. I know, I went to the dark side. It's, it is what it is. I still love Bob. When I met Bob, he was a young Eagle PR guy, and he just, you know, we took him out and we got him trashed. You could ask Bob about the early Philly days. Yeah, it's, it's exciting for Bob, but he will not have, you know, he will not have a player as fun as you in that locker room. I just don't. I appreciate that. You know, just try my best to have fun every day, Mike. Well, thank you for coming in and upstaging Jack Becta, who was also a great guest, but I think you might have upstaged. Uh, you know, I just, I try, I work my hardest every day. You got to take advantage of the opportunity. You know, they get so many podcasts to come on, especially with the great silver, you know, <laughs> you just got to try your best. And, you know, when that opportunity does come, got to take it, Mike. That's why he's, that's why he's a stole, soul stealer. Uh, thank you so much. I will see you at an actual football facility soon. I can't wait.